Good morning. Today we're celebrating Palm Sunday. It's the celebration of the passion of the Lord. It's it's the culmination of all these Sundays we've had during Lent that continue to awaken in us an understanding of who God is and what he's offering us and how it is that he came into the world as a human being and invites us to ponder every single thing that happened to him and his struggle to bring this new world to life. The world I'm talking about is a world with him. Intimacy with God is the core of the work of the passion of, of Jesus. He was a human being filled so much with divinity, it's impossible to understand how this works. But then we say that he's also God. But as humanity and his divinity, you can see them both struggling. And in this incredible story that we find in St. Luke, this long gospel that is that it almost excludes by its very nature a long explanatory homily, it's something that I want you to do something unusual, and that's just to go back and to listen to it over a couple of times and, and wait for something in it that is there for you. Images are so rich in Scripture. Not so much the words, but the images. You can imagine we're looking at an image of God in the presence of a human being so close as this union that it is actually God. And here is God, this awesome creative force, entering into our world and showing us something about who he is and who we are and the intimacy that that, that, um, that difference, in a sense, is designed to, to be, become one when we understand this story. The story is so incredibly important. And this is the one time where the church um, doesn't encourage a, a homily of any kind of length that usually, re, 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 its usual response is to, we should all sit in silence and think about what we've just listened to. And there's so much in it that I go back to what I'm suggesting, that you go back into it and listen to it again and watch for something that seems so perfectly tuned for where you're struggling right now. That's the beauty of inspired scripture. It's, it's more than just saying it's the truth. It's, it's, it has a way of awakening things that are deep inside of us that are hidden. So, so let's do this as a, how about a combined homily? You know, when I do a homily, I have to go back and listen to the readings over and over again and see what is in it that really moves me. Well, you're going to be my co-homilist on this Sunday, and you just go back and listen to the story and, and then wonder about it. And, feel what I pray is the absolute guarantee of anyone who seeks life through these stories, that you will find that life. Just as Jesus promises in the midst of all the darkness of this last part of his life, there is life. There isn't just destruction, there is life. So it's a perfect way to prepare ourselves for the greatest of all feasts next week the Feast of the Resurrection, the Feast of New Life being born inside of us and bursting forth out of a tomb of darkness. It's so powerful and beautiful, and the world longs for it so desperately right now as we struggle with the confusion and the darkness that we see all around us. That darkness can bring light. 
And the passion of Jesus proves something about that whole process of giving in to evil. And somehow through that process of knowing that you will conquer it, a new person, a new life is born. And that's the heart of the message of Scripture. New life. Life in light. Life in love. Amen. The opening prayer. My dear brothers and sisters, since the beginning of Lent until now, we have been preparing our hearts by penance and charitable works. Today we come together to herald with the whole church the beginning of the celebration of our Lord's Paschal mystery, that is to say, his passion and resurrection. For it was to accomplish this mystery that he entered his own city of Jerusalem. Therefore, with all faith and devotion, let us commemorate the Lord's entry into the city for our salvation, following in his footsteps, so that being made by his grace partakers of the cross, we may have a share also in resurrection and in his life. A reading from the prophet Isaiah, 50th chapter, 4th through the 7th verse. The Lord God has given me a well-trained tongue that I might know how to speak to the weary, a word that will rouse them. Morning after morning he opened my ears that I may hear, and I have not rebelled, have not turned back. I gave my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who plucked my beard, my face I did not shield from buffets and spitting. The Lord God is my help. Therefore, I am not disgraced. I have set my face like flint, knowing that I shall not be put to shame. The Word of the Lord. Responsorial Psalm My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? All who see me scoff at me, they mock me with parted lips, they wag their heads. He relied on the Lord, let him deliver him, let him rescue him, if he loves him. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Indeed, many dogs surround me, a pack of evildoers closes in upon me, they have pierced my hands and my feet, I can count all my bones. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? They divided my garments among them, and for my vesture they cast lots. But you, O Lord, be not far from me. O my help, hasten to aid me. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? I will proclaim your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, give glory to him. Revere him all you descendants of Israel. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? A reading from the New Testament from St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, 2nd chapter, 6th through the 11th verse. Christ Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, coming in human likeness and found human in appearance. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 
Because of this, God greatly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend of those in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Word of the Lord. The verse before the gospel, Christ became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Because of this, God greatly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. The gospel for this feast is taken from St. Luke, 22nd chapter, 14th verse, through the 23rd chapter, 56th verse. When the hour came, Jesus took his place at table with his apostles. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I shall not eat it again until there is fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup, giving thanks, said, Take this and share it among yourselves, for I tell you, that from this time on I shall not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took the bread, said the blessing, broke it, gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which will be given for you. Do this in memory of me. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which will be shed for you. And yet, behold, the hand of the one who is to betray me is with me on the table, for the Son of Man indeed goes as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to debate among themselves who among them would do such a thing. And an argument broke out among them about which of them should be regarded as the greatest. He said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those in authority over them are addressed as benefactors. But among you it shall not be so. Rather, let the greatest among you be as the youngest, and the leader as the servant. For who is greater, the one seated at table or the one who serves? Is it not the one seated at table? I among you as one who serves. It is you who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer a kingdom on you, just as my Father has conferred one on me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and you will sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to sift all of you like wheat, but I prayed that your faith may not fail. And once you have turned back, you must strengthen your brothers. He said to him, Lord, I'm prepared to go to prison and to die with you. But he retired, I tell you, Peter, before the cock crows this day, you will deny three times that you know me. He said to them, When I sent you forth without a money bag or a sack or sandals, were you in need of anything? No, nothing, they replied. He said to them, But now one who has a money bag should take it, and likewise a sack, and the one who does not have a sword should sell his cloak and buy one. 
For I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled in me, namely, he was counted among the wicked. And indeed, what is written about me is coming to fulfillment. Then they said, Lord, look, there are two swords here. But he replied, It is enough. Then going out, he went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When he arrived at the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not undergo the test. After withdrawing about a stone's throw from them and kneeling, he prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Still not my will, but yours be done. And to strengthen him, an angel from heaven appeared to him. He was in such agony, and he prayed so fervently that his sweat became like drops of blood falling on the ground. When he rose from prayer and returned to his disciples, he found them sleeping from grief. He said to them, Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not undergo the test. While he was still speaking, a crowd approached, and in front was the one of the twelve, a man named Judas. He went up to Jesus to kiss him. Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? His disciples realized what was about to happen, and they asked, Lord, shall we strike with a sword? And one of them struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said in reply, Stop, no more of this. Then he touched his servant's ear and healed him. And Jesus said to the chief priests and the temple guards and elders who had come for him, If you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs, day after day I was with you in the temple area. You did not seize me, but this is your hour, the time for the power of darkness. After arresting him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter was following at a distance. They lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it, and Peter sat down with them. When a maid saw him seated in the light, she looked intently at him and said, This man too was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. A short while later, someone else saw him and said, You too are one of them. But Peter answered, My friend, I am not. About an hour later, still another insisted, Assuredly, this man too was with him, for he is also a Galilean. But Peter said, My friend, I do not know what you're talking about. Just as he was saying this, a cock crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the cock crows today, you'll deny me three times. He went out and began to weep bitterly. The men who held Jesus in custody were ridiculing and beating him. They blindfolded him and questioned him, saying, Prophesy, who is it that struck you? They reviled him and saying many other things against him. When day came, the council of elders of the people met, both chief priests and scribes. But they brought him before the Sanhedrin. They said, If you are the Christ, tell us. But he replied to them, If I tell you, you will not believe, and if I question you, you will not respond. For from this time on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. 
They all asked, Are you then the Son of God? He replied to them, You say that I am. And they said, What further need have we if, for testimony, we've heard it from his own mouth? Then the whole assembly of them arose and brought him before Pilate. They brought charges against him, saying, We found this man misleading our people. He opposes the payment of taxes to Caesar, maintains that he's the Christ, a king. Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He said to him in reply, You say so. Pilate then addressed the chief priests and the crowds. I find this man not guilty. But they were adamant and said, He's inciting the people with his teaching throughout all Judea, from Galilee, where he began even up to here. On hearing this, Pilate asked if the man was a Galilean, and upon learning that he was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was in Jerusalem at the time. Herod was very glad to see Jesus. He had been wanting to see him for a long time, for he had heard about him, and he had been hoping to see him perform some sign. He questioned him at length, but he gave him no answer. The chief priests and the scribes, meanwhile, stood by accusing him harshly. Herod and his soldiers treated him contemptuously and mocked him, and after clothing him in a resplendent garb, they sent him back to Pilate. Herod and Pilate became friends that very day, even though they had been enemies formerly. Pilate then summoned the chief priests, the rulers, and the people, and said to them, You brought this man to me and accused him of inciting the people to revolt. I then conducted my investigation in your presence. I have not found this man guilty of the charge you have brought against him. Nor did Herod, for he sent him back to us. So no capital crime has been committed by him. Therefore I shall have him flogged and then release him. But altogether they shouted out, Away with this man, release Barabbas to us. Now Barabbas had been in prison for rebellion that had taken place in the city and for murder. Again Pilate addressed them, still wishing to release Jesus. But they continued their shouting, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate addressed them a third time, What evil has this man done? I find him guilty of no capital crime. Therefore I shall have him flogged and then release him. With loud shouts, however, they persisted in calling for his crucifixion, and their voices prevailed. The verdict of Pilate was that their demand should be granted. So he released the man who had been in prison for rebellion and murder, for whom they asked, and he handed Jesus over to them to deal with as they wished. As they led him away, they took hold of a certain Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, and after laying the cross on him, they made him carry it behind Jesus. A large crowd of people followed Jesus, including many women who mourned and lamented him. Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep instead for yourselves and for your children, for indeed the days are coming when people will say, Blessed are the barren the wombs that never bore, the breasts that never nursed. At that time, people will say to the mountains, fall upon us, to the hills, cover us. For if these things are done when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Now two others, both criminals, were led with him to be executed. 
When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him and the criminals there, one on his right, the other on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. They divided his garments by casting lots. The people stood by and watched the rulers. Meanwhile, sneered at him and said, He saved others. Let him save himself if he's the chosen one, the Christ of God. Even the soldiers jeered at him as they approached to offer him wine. They called out, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Above him there was an inscription that read, This is the king of the Jews. Now one of the criminals hanging there reviled Jesus, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. The other, however, rebuked him, said in reply, Have you no fear of God? For you are subject to the same condemnation. For indeed, we have been condemned justly, for the sentence we have received corresponds to our crimes, but this man has done nothing criminal. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied to him, Amen, I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon because of an eclipse of the sun. And the veil of the temple was torn down the middle. Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. centurion who witnessed what had happened glorified God and said this man was innocent beyond doubt. When all the people who had gathered for this spectacle saw what had happened, they returned home beating their breasts. But all his acquaintances stood at a distance, including the women who had followed him from Galilee and saw these events. Now there was a virtuous and righteous man named Joseph who, though he was a member of the council, had not consented to their plan of action. He came from the Jewish town of Arimathea and was awaiting the kingdom of God. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. After he had taken the body down, he wrapped it in a linen cloth and laid it in a rock-hewn tomb in which no one had yet been buried. It was the day of preparation and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come from Galilee with him followed behind, and when they had seen the tomb and the way in which the, his body was laid in it, they returned and repaired spices and perfumed oils. Then they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. The Gospel of the Lord.
the closing prayer. Nourished with these sacred gifts, we humbly beseech you, O Lord, that just as through the death of your Son you brought us to hope for what we believe, so by his resurrection you might lead us to where you call. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. I'd like to remind you that the program you just listened to is available on our website, pastorreflectionsinstitute.com, as well as on our podcast. Go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast, and subscribe to Finding God in Ourselves. It's free to listen to anywhere, anytime. And the music in our program was composed and produced by Ryan Harner for this show. This ministry also needs your support, so make a one-time or recurring tax-deductible donation on our website. Thank you so much for your listenership and your continued support. Without it, this program would not be possible. Pastoral Reflections with Father Don Fisher, Catholic priest of the Diocese of Dallas, is a production of the Pastoral Reflections Institute. Copyright 2022.